Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. This is your host Francesco and I'm so glad you're here with me to celebrate episode 40 of the second season and the second season is almost over. We are planning a very special event with three, not four podcasts all in one go, all in live uh, to actually close the close the season live and then you'll have uh, the episode of course available on iTunes, Spotify and all the um, and all the platform where we're on. But today is, is, is the second part of an episode that um, I share with a fellow podcaster and a fellow community holder, uh, Eddie Jaud, that um, right now I reach 1800 subscribers and is being a GitHub star for 2020 and is a passionate dev rel. And the conversation is so nice when you speak with another podcaster because we geek out on audio, on video, and on all the things podcasting, but most important on how uh, how we relate to the community and um, how to effectively bring the community together. And we, we share a little bit of thoughts on, on how cyber and security um, works with developers and how do we see the uh, two things working and collaborating together because um, we're coming from a very different world. So uh, Eddie is a developer by trade and I'm a cybersecurity by trade. And we try to come together and see what are the things that work and don't work in the um, in the various communities. So I had so much fun on recording this second episode is security versus developer episode two, the revenge of the dev. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you really enjoy it. This is your host Francesco. Stay safe, stay secure, and be cyber safe. Enjoy. Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, where we hear the stories of information security professionals. This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. I hope you guys are enjoying your time. I hope you had like a nice break. Now you're ready to kick on. And today we have the absolute pleasure to have Eddie Jaud with us again. Hey Eddie. <laughs> Hi everyone, how are you doing? So Eddie came back from the first episode where we did security versus dev and, and today we want to continue that conversation because it was a great conversation and we want to explore a little bit more on effectively what are the typical challenge back of uh, security development and how do we clash and how do we get together and get better but also explore a little bit on how developer and security people can, be can get better at things with hackathons or CTFs and see if there are commonalities and if we can find a, a way in between. But before I kick off, let me give a big welcome to Eddie Jaloud and he's a massive open source supporter. He's built a massive and very active community. But Eddie, tell us everything about you. Thank you so much for that amazing intro and thank you so much for having me here. Um, it's, it's great to be here again and geek out with you. Yeah, it's been busy since the last time we spoke. The community has, has grown uh, by magnitudes and 
we've got loads more mods now and just everyone's really collaborating together i just wake up every day with more and more github notifications and this is not from me watching projects it's actually for me uh, being involved in the conversations i think every day i must wake up to three four hundred plus notifications wow. a lot of them have been taken care of so when i time i get to them the pull request has been reviewed and it's merged but it's good for me to to be aware of what's going on so i do need to spend you know 30 seconds having a quick flick through about it uh, and see if anyone needs any help so it is i do go through them fairly quickly but it's just a scary when you get these these sort of big big numbers and my LinkedIn and my Twitter must end up with 50 plus notifications every morning when I wake up as well. And it's, it's a That's lot to good, go but through. Scary. <laughs> it is quite scary. And people have suggested, oh, farm it out, get a VA. And it's like, no, no, I want to do this myself because I feel it's important, especially for that, to do the virtual, uh, sorry, to do the personal touch. Um, so I'm really keen to yeah, continue doing that. And I enjoy it. I enjoy geeking out with people. And then in our Discord has grown massive. I mean, I think, when did, when did we chat last? I think it? it was back in probably mid-2020. Okay, interesting. So yes, that's quite a while ago. So in I think in about September-ish, I, I created a Discord because people wanted to chat between YouTube and live streams and videos and GitHub pull requests and all the rest. And so I created a Discord. And before Christmas, I think I had... Um, like three, four hundred people. I, I put a bot to to encourage uh, encourage inclusive. In, I saw I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> the yeah. <Eddie> bot. <laughs> uh, to to be inclusive. So if people say in Discord, "Hey guys," it would uh, reply and say, "Maybe you mean, hey folks, hey everyone," and, and to be inclusive. And I think I lost like I don't know fifty to hundred people when that bot came on. It didn't kick them or ban them or anything. It just prompted them. And people got annoyed and said, hey, I'm leaving. I'm like, okay, fine. See you later. I'm not looking at the vanity metrics. I want this to be a safe space for everybody. But then January came and everyone started finding out we have a really inclusive safe space where everyone's a, a mentor. Literally, everyone's a mentor. If you're one month into your career, then there is somebody who is where they were a one month ago. And we, we really foster that. Um, and from that, it's exploded. So now I think we, we're uh, 1,400, 400 already, just in a few weeks. It's like jumped up by 1,000. It's, it's gone massive. Um, so yeah, it's all really good going from strength to strength. And uh, I just wish there were more hours in the day. Yeah, that's. I think that's a common problem of everybody trying to clone themselves and multiply. <laughs> It's challenging. Yeah, I need to add more people to my to my team. I'm creating more videos. My awesome video editor, Alona, is um, just got so many videos. I'm actually uploading like a hundred gig video file for her at the moment as well. And it's just, I've got so many videos to go out. I actually only put out about 30 to 40% of the content that I generate. Because I've gone in more into the documenta documentation phase rather than the content creation phase. And so I'm actually only putting out um, yeah, 30-40% of pictures, of videos, of, of blogs. I think it's important, especially in this period, I don't know if, if for you, but I, I am more and more on video because I think, uh, and, I, and I must have, I'm, I'm, I'm an ex-architect, so I write a lot and I write a lot of documentation, but I think you, you, you miss the personal touch, especially if you're really connected to a project, you can really infuse and communicate the energy of the project and, you know, give energy to people. And we were chatting before about that, but you can't communicate that with a document or an email. So I think I love the fact that that you put the video out there because it really showed the passion. And honestly, we're all human. So it, we're all driven exactly. by emotions. <laughs> exactly, right? You know, you can you can write the the, the words in, in one way or, or multiple ways, but when you hear someone say it, it's very different. They might say, 
and today we're going to do open source. And you think, well, but they say, today we're going to do open source. It's like, yes, yeah, I want to do it. Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> exactly right. And I think that's really important, especially in the current times when in this crazy situation, yes. um, I think people welcome that more. So I've actually started doing like on, on Twitter and Instagram um, and LinkedIn and even Facebook Messenger, not doing text messages. I'm actually leaving audio messages and the people are loving that because it is that personal touch. I've started doing video messages as well now. Um, and some of them are rubbish and uh, I make mistakes and so it's just that authentic side. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, a, I'm, a, um, I'm insecurity. So I'm a, I'm a little bit shy uh, on, well, not shy on camera, but shy <laughs> on, on leaving traces of me that are not approved, reviewed and, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's security. It's security. We're all paranoid, but I think it's important, and I think it, it gives back the feeling that we're all working towards a goal. We're all human, but actually, that's interesting. How did how did the content creation, the, the community, get together? How did you see the shift? And maybe the, the other question that I have is: Has COVID helped or put a stop to that? What do you think has has had the role? So the whole pandemic situation didn't help. Then did ha- uh, did help. Then didn't help. Then <laughs> It's like the lockdown. <laughs> yes, exactly. So let me let me explain. So w- when it all happened and and places started getting locked down, everyone went online. So I think there was um, too Super much hype. content out there. Yeah, it, it was very very spammy. People were kind of Zoom called out, live streamed out, and so so at the beginning, in the first couple of weeks, it it did really well. But then people started getting quite tired, and I think about a month in everyone just didn't want that anymore. They wanted a break and detox from just always being in front of the screen. So therefore I noticed a a dip. But then also what I noticed is a lot of these communities and companies that went online didn't continue it as in it's hard work. It's hard work to do podcasts. It's hard work to do live streams. It's hard work to do videos. Yeah, we know a little bit about it. (laughs) Exactly right. So I noticed- Consistency and consistency. Exactly. You know, editing is hard. Oh, God. And being in front of video is hard. It's just all, it's all quite hard, but what I believe worth it. So what, um, well, I noticed maybe, I don't know, four or five, six months in, lots of places started dropping off. So I stopped doing it, yeah, stopped doing like weekly stuff, daily stuff and so on. So therefore when people felt that they were isolated again, that they wanted more of it, they craved more of it, but mm. then there were less, active opportunities of it yeah exactly so the people who were consistent like you said who persevered and treated it like a marathon not a sprint then they um they really grew so at the end of last year i think from september time um i i really started growing i'm almost at eighteen thousand subs on youtube wow. i've got you know, two thousand on github 14 sponsors on github which is great uh what else yeah i Twitter's, I think it's almost 6,000. Just everything has just really, really grown. And because of that, I've been able to kind of document and create more content. So I'm only putting out like a fraction of the content I have. I think I have videos on YouTube all unlisted, just waiting. If I ever need to take a break, I can just kind of, um, you know, post them. Yeah, and you then, can disappear in an island and then just, you know, just share your content and Eddie's exactly. still out there. It's like in an island. <laughs> exactly. 
And then to answer the second part of your question, which uh, I've now forgotten what it was, I did remember a second ago. So the, uh, the first one was the, was the community. And no, the first one was COVID, if it helped or if it didn't help. Yes. And then um, it, it's uh, more or less in between uh, the kind of content generation and the kind of things and how people like to consume. So it's more video, it's more audio, it's more... How did you find the perfect formula for the community? Because it, it, it literally saw it exploding all of a sudden, one day to another, it kind of clicked. And I literally saw it and I say, that's great. So what, what was that that magic formula? That How did you find that right balance? Um, I don't think I've got the perfect balance yet. I'm still wor- working on it, but I feel that every time I do something, I am making improvements and getting feedback from the community. That's the great thing about having Discord. People feedback. Mm. So I really, really encourage that. And I want people to, to feedback ideas. Some of the ideas we don't, some of the ideas are for later, some of the ideas we, we won't do for whatever reason. And in December, I was really busy with a couple of clients and like way over busy, as in it's not what I planned to do, but because of their schedule and not giving me, giving me the information in time, the December was just ridiculous. Day, day and night and weekend, like it, it shouldn't have been like that. It was unhealthy. But what I noticed, the positive from that was, I had to say to my community, I'm so busy. I'm behind you, you have notifications. I'm behind in all your social tags. And I can't join the conversation on Discord because Discord was getting so busy. Mm-hmm. But so many people stepped up. So actually that worked in my favor. People stepped up in the community to help other people in the community. And that's when we got um, our slogan, like collaboration first, code second. And people that. realized helping other people is more beneficial than just writing an extra PR. And yeah, it really, really exploded from them. So I got a few more mods. They didn't ask. I said, you know, you're helping so many people. I trust you. You, you have the same ethics as me. You want to be inclusive, make you mods. And then they started encouraging more people. And the other thing we encourage when people join our community is because a lot of people join and they say, Hey, I want to mentor. Anyone want to mentor me? And we go, we know the perfect mentor for you. And they go, Oh, who, who? you and they went they go like kind of what it's like everyone here (laughs) is learning from each other so everyone here is a mentor and everyone here is a mentee no matter where you're at in your career and it takes time for people to realize that if they're a month into their career they can still help someone who's only just starting but when they realize that they can learn so much by teaching it's this different type of it's a different type of communication and you know when we're always communicating even if i'm a full stack devops whatever security coder I'm only coding probably 25% of the time. The rest of the time I'm trying to talk. Like, let's take a, let's, exactly. Let's take a, let's take a, a specific example. You go on GitHub and you want to add a feature, fix a bug, whatever it is. What's the first thing we do? We raise an issue, right? We're starting the conversation. There's no code involved. We're starting the conversation. Here's a bug. I've done this. I found this. The next thing you do is you do a bit of coding. Then you raise a pull request, which is starting the conversation of the changes. So it's the conversation before the changes and it's conversation after the changes. And you converse, converse back and forth mm-hmm. and then it gets merged in. So it's majority of the time it's it's conversation. Now, I love I love that. I love that because it's, it's such an important thing because I think it, it applies to everything. It applies to open source even more because the project is distributed and it is really democratic and i saw that on, even on the security community so we have OWASP that is effectively the open source community for software and anything anything open source for for, for security and sometimes it gets overly emotional so how <laughs> do you handle for example the emotional level because a lot of people get attached to issue and pr they do they do and they do and, they and i used personal. to as well yes you're absolutely right and I, and i used to as well 
And I think the way we've solved that is if it's any good conversation on Discord or someone wants to you know, ask a question that we see come up over and over again, we ask them to start a discussion on GitHub or we ask them, if they come up with an idea, we ask them to raise an issue. And I found by them raising more issues and more pull requests that they don't get attached to one. I think it's when you ha- if you raise one issue a month, the one pull request a year, you're really attached to that because mm. it's the only thing you've kind of, you've done. Created. Yeah, exactly. But if you've, if you've raised 10 this week, because they've all been quite small. Smaller changes and small improvement rather than big blocks of work. Exactly. And that, that's important for multiple reasons. One, you don't get attached to stuff because there's just so many things. And, and two, it's more likely to get commented on. I find a pull request with like 100 lines of code changes is probably going to get like one comment. But a pull request with five lines change is probably going to get 10 comments because people can really understand it, analyze what's going on. So a lot of the time at the beginning, we ask people if they do a big pull request to break it up. And then one example, another example we get is people say, hey, I want to do this, this feature. I want to do this. You're missing a contributor's file. I'm going to write it. I'll get back to you in two, three weeks or a month. And I'll come back with a whole page. And I'm like, whoa, no, whoa, that's whoa. So much. That's just wrong for so many reasons. I said, at the moment, if we haven't got this file and haven't got one line in it, then we've got nothing at the moment. There's no value added. So if you can, in today or tomorrow, raise a pull request with the file and with one line, just one line, you've added value already in two reasons. One, because there's that one line that's helping people. Mm-hmm. And two, now there's a file for other people to contribute to, because some people don't like to contribute if there's no file there. They get a bit nervous about the naming convention and creating a file. So by having that, it just opens the door for everybody else to get involved. And then by the end of the week, you've got 20 people who've all contributed one line and it's just an amazing file. And, and so people, when they realize that, I think they get less attached and they realize it's a community effort. But then I, I love it and, and I love the idea because small incremental change are perfect and it's super easy to triage and evaluate, even from a security perspective. But from an architect perspective, the architect inside me is just dying a little bit because, I don't know, small incremental changes always scared architects and scared me because you can't evaluate what where you're going as a whole. In a security people, you can't like do threat modeling or you can't really look at the whole picture on how that small incremental change actually changes the system. So I love it and I hate it. But I think I think where I found the right balance to interact with security people is, you know, have like monthly planning session when you see from an architectural perspective where you see the direction of the application going like logically, and then security people kind of digest it and kind of uh, threat scenarios it. And then you can do small incremental change and those you can, and those you can kind of small, uh, you can do unit tests or, or do small security tests over and over and over. I think that's what really worked in the past. Yeah, you're right. I think it's good to have a balance. You need to have a, a, a bigger picture overview because you can't just take like imagine like you're walking in, in, in the in the park, you can't just look at the step in front of you because you don't know if you're going in the right direction. Where are you, you need, going? Yes, you need to look where you're going and have a goal to get there, but you need to take those small steps to get there. So I think you're right. You need to have two separate conversations. You have the mm-hmm. daily conversation of what we're going to kind of achieve today, what we're going to do today that adds value. But then, you know, once a week, once a month, you've got to have the, um, the view of where are we going to go over the next month? You're not going to take it all in one go to do it all in one go, but you need to have that, that perspective. And I think that's where, you know, architects get involved because you want them to kind of 
check in and they've got a different point of view because sometimes when you're down in the trenches, you can have your blinkers on and you kind of, you might lose sight of what's coming up. That's why it's really good to I think, absolutely I think there have are, that check-in. There are two pace and both of them are right. And and I see this conversation happening all the time where people say, oh, waterfall is such a crazy thing to do and agile is the way to go or, you know, small incremental change. I had like tons of fights within small incremental change and I was complaining because say, okay, you put a line but what does it change in the bigger thing? It's like, where are you going? Give me the direction of like, maybe I'm changing the authentication system and then I'm doing it incremental every day. And I can give you an opinion on that. But if you if you give me like, I do a printf or I do like a change in this library, my answer usually is, okay, so what? <laughs> what am I going to do? Right? Yeah, I think you, the different points of view is really, really important. I mean, a one line can make a big difference and 10 lines also might not make a big difference. Yeah. It depends on, on what it what it is. But um, you're right that you've got to have those different points of view. And that's why a diverse team, I think, is really important. Because if you put 10 security people together or 10 developers together, you're not going to end up with a good result. Because... No, they're only going to kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, that as well. But in addition to that, it's... They're going to look at it from the same point of view. So Correct. if you have 10 people all looking at their feet, all taking a step in the same direction or different directions, it's not going to work. And if you have... Yeah, probably the going circle. Yeah, exactly. Or if you have 10 people on the finish line kind of waving, but no one's doing the walking, then no one's going to get there as well at the I same agree. time. So you've got to have both. You've got to have, you know, someone giving direction, someone doing the incremental work. And I think, you know, more and more places are realizing that's why open source is so good because you get the different perspectives, you get the different points of view. Hey, Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor and then we return back. This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on-premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. Give you an example i'm not in i don't know much about ux or ui but when sometimes i do something and i'm really proud of it i'm like you know what finally i'm really proud of that and i'll i'll forget the ux person on my team and just say hey i've done this what do you think and they go yeah it's good but this and this and i'm like oh my god i didn't even i didn't even notice that like i didn't i didn't even <laughs> think of that like it's crazy and it's so obvious when they point it out i think it develops empathy yes because yeah, you are it's it's so easy and and uh, I, I had to admit that I'll tell you a story. So I used to be really uh, I, I come from coding. So I come like really from low end like assembly and C, and I evolve in different things. And um, I'll tell you about the project of of like breaking CPUs and using that as a as a semaphore for memory allocation. It was my early days. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> using CPU register as a semaphore. Never do it anymore. <laughs> People that they, they, program in Python or Go probably don't know about this stuff anymore. I feel oh, no, not at all. <laughs> People who do Node, Java, they probably don't know. You've got to be really low level to do those sorts of things. Yeah. 
And uh, but then you kind of lose touch with the code and you lose touch in the perception and you can't even relate anymore. And I did kind of the full journey back and now I'm back into like really low level coding, architecting and like really from a from a coding perspective. And I started doing UX, a lot of UX and UI and nice. front end. So I started developing an enormous empathy. Like I, I sent stuff to my UX guys like, this is really cool. You should follow this guy. <laughs> but you start developing the empathy and you start understanding how much effort goes in something and you start appreciating it. Absolutely. I think that's so important because in, in my teams, you know, my open source teams or my client teams or whatever it is, I do say you cannot use the word, can you just do this for me? Because you're belittling someone else's work. If it was just and it was easy, you'd be doing it yourself. The whole point is it's hard and someone else is an expert in it. And that's why you're asking them to do it. So you're right. You need that empathy for you know, other people in your team. And I think people don't realize that until they're on, on the flip side. Like, that's it's why I don't like when people say, can I ask you a quick question? It's like, the question may be quick, but the answer necessarily isn't. And that's why you have to ask it because you don't know the answer. Yeah. And so you can ask a question, but you can't ask a quick question. Um, and then people find that a bit weird. But I think people are slowly getting to realize that, you know, I, time is precious. It is precious. That's the, no matter how much money or how great or amazing you are, or famous you get, whatever it is, there's one thing you can never get back. You have only 20 bloody hours, uh, 24 hours if you like, and you don't <laughs> sleep a day, or 18 practical hours if you sleep nah. very little a day, and you have to cram so much into it. It's true. And I think one thing that maybe you realize, the more busy you are, so, certain people see you as busy, and you know, it's like, you don't have time for me. It's like, no, I have time. And and I allocate time, but it's like my I'm really precious and and gatekeeping and guarding my time because it's really precious. And and you're the same. And like busy people understand and appreciate the value of time. A lot of other people yeah. like don't. That's very true. And that's one thing that I have to try and work with uh, the community with is when people uh, DM me and say, "Hey, I've got a private question. Can I ask you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And they say, "How do I get into open source?" It's like, "How is that a private question? That's <laughs> not a private question. Please ask it publicly for two reasons. One, so I can scale, so other people can kind of, you know, I don't have to have the same conversation a hundred times, but also so other people can learn from it, and other people can give you their opinion and feedback. I really want to start the conversation, but I don't have all the answers. You need other people's opinions, and." Um, then they do they do message publicly and then they realize the benefit and then they help other people they see other mm. people's points of views and so forth so um we yeah. actually took that we actually took that approach and extended on twitter because we have the mentoring monday or actually the cyber mentoring monday hashtag yeah. that we launched with tanya and we we saw a lot of interaction and, and benefit nice. out of that it's, it's not as uh we have hashtag ask infosec and hashtag uh Cyber Mentoring Monday. So either if you search a mentor, if you will have a specific question on on thing. But I, I love the fact that people come in and ask things to you because maybe they feel comfortable and it's not a simple answer. Yeah, and everyone's situation is 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 different, and that's why I think other people, if they can give their opinion, they might have a closer situation to you, for example. So yeah, I think time is time is really really precious, and and a lot of people don't respect that. Like some people, I think people in open source who are active in open source respect it more and more because they they realize the benefit of giving you context. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the conversation can happen more efficiently rather when someone's not involved in open source, they, they, they might say, Eddie, following our conversation last week, I think we should do this. It's like, what conversation? I've had a thousand conversations since then. I have no idea what you're talking about. The conversation you probably started on Twitter. Now you're messaging me on LinkedIn and you have a different name, a different profile picture. 
I don't can't put you put the two people together. <laughs> so whereas open source people, you know, would would kind of quote and say, Eddie, you, you put this, um, I agree or I disagree or whatever it is. And you're like, right, that's what I said. I remember saying that. Okay, I remember the story. Context. And you can yeah, exact context is so important. And people don't realize that. And that's that's quite hard. But the community really helped people improve on that. And democracy. And then- I like I like the democracy of the community and that everybody kind of keep themselves in check and on the same level and and if you are being like outside of the boundary line of what's proper other people will tell you off and exactly how you scale as well so i love I lo- yeah that exactly I, completely I, lo- I love the agree. community that you built that's why it's good to foster a good community so people sometimes let their communities run whatever they want like a wild wild west and then it ends up being quite toxic and and i'm I, I promote the people who are positive and you know have the same kind of aspir not aspiration, same goals as me as in uh, an inclusive community. Yet the ones who um, who aren't necessarily bad because obviously we would ban them, kick them, but they don't promote the, the same. They're just kind of there for themselves. Then they they don't get they get less attention from me, and I think people start to realize that. And I don't you know take screenshots and share it on socials because people sometimes say to me. Why are you always taking their stuff and taking screenshots and sharing it on socials and tagging them? Why aren't you doing mine? Well, if you notice, you always say, hey guys, and the bot reminds you and you ignore it. You don't update it. So why am I going to promote that? Whatever you said after that might be good and useful, but you ruined that because you didn't make an effort. And and people it takes time for people to realize that some people realize it really quickly and some people, you know, don't. Well, I, I, like, I like the fact of walking the talk and talking the walk and uh, however however this is, is the sentence or the say. I always get it wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> walk the walk yeah, and talk the talk. Yeah. It should be something like that. Other, way, other way around. Well, Some people just talk the talk, but yeah, then you also got to walk the walk. But, but I, I like the fact that you put things in practice and sometimes everybody, even I, I mean, I speak a lot about diversity and inclusion but only if you actually do things and if you show the difference, like uh, we, for example, with the Cloud Security Alliance, we managed to have more women leading the uh, conversation than men. It's like, it's the first time we actually had that. Awesome. And you only, and it took five years to make that happen and an enormous wow. amount of work, but only if you put the work and as you did uh, the bot and you promote like positive reinforcement, is great because only in that way you actually change the perception. And it's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. But the problem is not many people are doing it because it is hard. But the benefit in the future, I think, is so important. When people say to me, oh, you know, I don't care, you know, about diversity or inclusion. It's fine. And I'm like, it's great that you're in a privileged position. And, you know, it's a snowball effect. Because if you do it and other people do it and then you reinforce it, it's like, you start questioning, maybe maybe if I don't do it, I'm going to be bad. Because if everybody ignore it, then it becomes the norm. But if at least 10% exactly. do it, you start, you know, at least that thing comes into your mind and you start Exactly. And I've seen people convert. So, for example, uh, as I was just saying, the uh, this person was saying, oh, you know, I'm in a privileged position. I don't care about diversity or inclusion. And I'm saying... But you have a mom, you might have a sister, one day you might have a daughter. Don't you want them to have what you have? Oh, of course I do. 
but you're not, if you're not inclusive and you're not encouraging diversity and they go, I never thought of it that way. They were thinking just of themselves, not realizing that there'll be other people that they, they love or admire or, or is important to them might not have that. And then they've kind of actually become advocates themselves. So um, I do try and, you know, have that communicate uh, conversation and communication with people. And I'm always learning. And, and some people do feedback tips and advice to me. So I'm always getting better at doing this. I try and find a balance between, you know, pushing back and sometimes saying, okay, this person, they're not converted. I don't want to push them too far because then they'll start being difficult. Um, I'm just going to let them, and they usually just phase out and they usually mm-hmm. just either, they either get on board or they just kind of slow, quietly disappear. Um, whereas I find if you, if you push someone too hard, you get uh, the opposite they, reaction. Yes. They'll, they'll try and be difficult and they'll try and every moment they've got try and disrupt the conversation or, or annoy people. That's not what you want. You guess you can ban them, but that again, doesn't, that's negative reinforcement yeah exactly so i do try and convert them over slowly and it's a slow burn it takes time and effort but the community like you said before the community really help as well they when they see other people going or this person from asia this person from africa this person is all all getting on board and saying these sorts of things they go maybe maybe i should like um, think about this a bit more open be open-minded yeah you know you start questioning your principle and and sometime uh, i found that depending on where you're born and and how you've grown up certain things are are kind of not not because you want to be against diversity but it's like you're not grown in that kind of mindset of of course it's like tv you know the movies don't help yeah you're not bad it's like you just you just don't see that all the time so you don't recognize that as the norm it's when you break that status quo and when you start, you know, pushing people to ask questions to themselves, it's, it's where the tide is starting changing. Exactly. And I think a lot of these people aren't necessarily uh, against diversity inclusion, but they don't make an effort to be inclusive. So in the terminology, they're not inclusive. They don't want to push those people out, but they don't, but they don't, if they don't help, they don't realize that they are probably pushing them out like indirectly so let me do a quick quick we haven't got long left so let me do a quick test on you and see and and uh, <laughs> uh this is I'll, I'll be honest and admit i am very disappointed in myself because i failed this and i'm very oh, disappointed the in myself the this one i was so upset that i this was asked to me five, five six years ago and i was i was very upset with myself so a father and son were in a car accident and on the way to the hospital the father dies. And as the son goes into the surgery room, uh, the doctor says, the surgeon says, I can't operate on my son. Who is the surgeon? Don't think about it, just say. The mother. Nice. A lot of people, including myself, say, oh, maybe the, the son had two dads. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm being really like, you know, like, I don't know, positive. But how about the it's mother? Like, the mother has yeah, a son as well. Exactly. And but for me, in, Eng- in English, right, we don't have masculine and feminine words mm. and so on. But growing up, the TV, the TV shows, the movies, all... Surgeon w- equaled men. Yes. It's the only word, I think, in the English language that I have for almost of my life, not now, but before, associated that had a gender. And I don't know why, but I think because after like, you know, 20 years of it just being, you know, rammed down my throat. Yeah, it's crazy. And I remember at school when they used to tell like little stories, like in primary school, the surgeon was always a man. And so Mm -hmm. it's just hearing and that, that really Stereotype. yeah that really bugs me and i was so upset that i didn't just say but this is it's like, it's like bias it's like having that bias burned in and is 
I think it's being kind to yourself and not just putting yourself down by recognizing that, you know, those common bias. It's like I hate religious war against bias because everybody's fucking biased. <laughs> so just admit it and and getting better one percent a day, one percent of the time, and just being normal. And it's like, yeah, I have opinion. It's like I've wrote I've wrote a job spec and I reviewed it and it's like. A woman will never apply to this job spec. It's like, it's it's very, but if somebody calls me out on that, I'd be happy and thankful. It's like, thank you for improving and giving more chance and opportunity because, yeah, it's it's uncommon bias. But anyway, I just want to rub it up. So it's a but, but must. Before you do, okay, you said something it. And, and it made me think of something. I've just forgotten my terrible memory. <laughs> um, what did you say a moment ago? It really made me think of something which I thought was great. Um I can't remember. The unconscious bias? Uh, just before that, what did you say? I can't oh, remember. Jesus, my memory is worse than yours. But, but, but you sparked <laughs> something and I thought, oh my God, that's, that's, that's really good. And I wanted to say it. It was like one sentence, but I've, I've, I've forgotten now. Um, Improving 1% of the time? Yes, yes, that was it. Well done. Um, so It's actually not mine. It's, it's a quote from Atomic Habit and it's how you okay. compound the effect of change. And okay. it was back in the day when uh, the cycling team of the UK was actually super terrible. And they had a guy and this guy started, you know, rubbing alcohol on the on the wheel, starting uh, checking, like even uh, the cleanness of the room or the paint in the, there are small, small micro changes and led to an, a, a massive, a massive thing that it was them winning, like breaking nine records in the London Olympics. Wow. It's like, the team that was last became the uh, the most powerful team, and that just one percent every day, or one percent in in a small thing. So it's like open source, right? Little and often, you know. It's um, if people but say, if you're I want an architect." <laughs> <laughs> Don't say yeah, true, <laughs> true. Okay, well, we'll leave that one. I'll come back to what I was going to say before. There's like, forget that one. But you know, I, t- I treat it like brushing your teeth. In that, you know, if you brush your teeth every day, you don't worry about it, you don't panic about it, you just do it, and it makes an improvement. And if you look back in a week, improvement probably is not that great. But if you look back after years, the improvement's really you know important. And if you miss a day because you fell asleep on the couch from the TV, it's not going to be end of the world. But it's the it's the little improvements the that add up uh, over time. Exactly. So what I was going to say was the um before i do forget so, <laughs> so some people come to me and say eddie i, I want to help ten thousand people how can i do it i'm like well you probably can't what you need to do is try and help one person every day that's what i try and do if i can help one person every day i feel i've succeeded and if i can help one or two people every day and i can encourage them to help one or two people every day then i know it's going to scale i know it's going to um help so many more people in the community so that's my goal really just to help one or two people a day who are are also going to help one or two people a day who are who don't just take 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 um and And before you know you have help angelina julie (laughs) Because you know you six level. <laughs> well, she might be using Android, right? So if someone's like contributing to someone in in like Android, then possibly, you know, you, exactly. possibly she's opening. She's using a piece of component that is open source in Android, and you know, before you know it, you have helped Brad Pitt or Angelina. But she's Jolie. running to like I don't know uh, um, uh, a dress rehearsal, and she uses her Android phone, and you've helped her, like so. Yeah, there's just I don't know so many things. Open source is eating the world, one poor request at a time. I know, but I, we usually close with a positive message, but I think we, we just uh, we had a chain of positive message closing with uh, helping a celebrity by contributing to open source. Here you go. <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> Eddie, thank you so much. It's been thank always you. a pleasure. I want you back on the show because this is just a, a great spirit and you're a fantastic podcaster. So it's so easy to do podcasting with you. <laughs> always, always great to, uh, to geek out with you. Uh, always so much fun. Thank you, Eddie. Cheers. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP and watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Thank you.